For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Akron. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford Rout. Stan, the Raiders remain alive in the playoff hunt following their 17-13 win over the Denver Broncos. We'll get to that more later on, but let's begin with the passing of the iconic 85-year-old John Madden. I mean, Stan, the fans of a certain age, he was a coach of the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, and led them to a Super Bowl victory in 1976. For millions of Sunday afternoon viewers, he will be remembered as one of the greatest commentators who transformed the way people watch sports. To an even younger generation of NFL followers, he is known as the face of EA Sports, Madden, NFL football, the best-selling Sports video game of all time. He won 103 games with the Raiders, Stan, the most wins by any head coach in franchise history. His 759 winning percentage with a minimum of 100 games is still the highest in NFL history. Stan, how do you remember the great John Madden? Oh, man. Uh, how do I remember John Madden? Uh, and I know that some Raider fans are probably going to cringe when I say this, but uh, bear with me. But anybody that knows me knows that I grew up being a 49ers fan. And I say that because back in the mid-90s, back when I really started to start to appreciate and learn about the game of football, obviously the NFC is usually on Fox. And that's when I was Pat Summerall and John Madden. And oh, I felt yeah. like that was the best duo in the history of all the sports. So, uh, you Agreed. know, back then, the 49ers with Steve Young and Jerry Rice and Deion Sanders and all those guys, obviously, you know, one of the top teams in the league. So we already know that that top uh, Fox package, that duo, they're always doing the game of the week. So they did a lot of 49ers games. And that's when I started growing to love and appreciate John Madden, not to mention the Madden EA Sports franchise as well. So uh, that's how I remembered him. Obviously, I knew that he coached the Raiders previously. Uh, but, you know, watching that documentary on Saturday, which seems like it was so fitting for them to have it on Christmas Day, on Saturday, and now with his passing, seemed just like it was so poetic. Like everything was just, you know, synchronized almost from the powers up above. Uh, but, you know, learning how he won that Super Bowl, what was it, like age 32? Or, you know, or when he started coaching the Raiders. He was 32 like, years old, yeah, right. Like 32 or something like that. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm learning so many things about him that I did not even know. And I played for the Raiders for seven years, for crying out loud. Uh, but, yeah, that's how I remember him as a broadcaster, mainly. And then, you know, being pretty much the only one that's ever worked for all four of the major networks. Right. And, you know, I always remember he would be drawing something up on the, on the, on the telestrate and then, boom. And, you know, that's that's one thing I always remember, the boom, uh, somehow, some way. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be another one like him. Obviously, you got Tony Romo, Troy Eggman. They do a fine job right now on their respective networks. But, man, like, I just don't think there's ever going to be another one. And, you know, just thinking of how a coach, not a player, not a Tom Brady, not a Michael Jordan, not a LeBron James, a coach, a coach slash broadcaster, was the face of a iconic video game right not a player right not deon sanders live 99 not lebron james not michael jordan not tom brady like it's john madden a coach turned broadcaster is somebody that's having a video game named after them and it's so iconic that everybody is is all in and i say this because I've been getting the new Madden game that's come out every year, pretty much since about 94, 95, somewhere around my middle school years. And I have not played a Madden game probably since I was in high school or college, if I'm being bluntly honest with you. But I didn't say that's the last time I bought a Madden game. So even to this day, I don't play Madden because 
because you know it just seems kind of weird or seems kind of odd because you know like i said i can see something be like no that's not really kind of how it happens in the real game and blah 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 but the thing is like i still always get the game just because it's madden <laughs> like i don't know how not it's to have it. it takes you back to your youth man exactly so you know so just off of that alone uh i always buy it i always do just even for just to ha simply have it and for whoever's going to be on the cover for that respective year um so i do it it's just it's just a habit like i don't know how not to buy the new madden game that comes out every august slash september i just i don't know how to and now that he's passed now that he's gone on uh to uh to greatness now i'm definitely never right. going to miss a year but uh, I will always remember John Madden in the booth with Pat Summerall doing the game of the week on Fox. Um, I thought that was probably the best duo ever. And now, you know, they're up there uh, in the sky calling games together. Yep. So uh, I, I think that to me, uh, having that tribute on Saturday, three days before he passed, I just feel like on some level that was just poetic synchronization in some weird, twisted way um that you know uh he already was given flowers by everybody but he was able to receive his flowers in one one you know set documentary on christmas day from everybody and uh you know just like i said the entire sports world especially the raider nation or should i say the raider faithful uh he would definitely be missed sorely for some time you know Stan, uh i'm 53 and I started following the Oakland Raiders in 1976, and John Madden was the head coach. I was eight years old, and he was just this larger-than-life figure I would see on TV and then roaming the Raiders' sidelines when I would go to the games as a kid. And he was just, you know, he was the leader of the band of misfits. You know, it's Kenny the Stakes Nabler. We had yep. Dave the Ghost Casper as the Raiders tied in on defense. You had Ted Hendricks, the Mad Stork, and, you know, Jack Tatum, the Assassin. Yeah, <laughs> Skip Thomas was Dr. Death, but it, they were led by John Madden. I think I've told you this story before, but uh, in 1977, last game of the year, Raiders are playing the Chiefs. My mom and I go to the game early. I tell my mom, I want to go down to the tunnel. I want to watch the players come onto the field. They're, you know, the game was against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Raiders rival. Kansas City wasn't very good, but I'm staying. I'm down at the tunnel, maybe two minutes, three minutes, and I hear my mom call my name. It was a nine-year-old kid. I'm like, what do you want? I just left. I just want to watch the players come on. Stan, mm -hmm. I turn around and there's John Madden talking to my mom in the stands. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, she waves me over and I go over to him and, and Stan, you know, he's this large guy and I'm just, you know, this tiny nine-year-old little kid. I'm looking up and my mom's like, ask him for his autograph. And Stan, I was speechless because there was my hero, you know, John mm -hmm. Madden standing right in front of me, but I couldn't, I couldn't spit it out. I just couldn't. until so my mom <laughs> ended up getting his autograph, but to this day, Stan, I can remember it like it happened yesterday. And, you know, I just he was the coach of the Raiders. I mean, if you yeah. go to the Raiders Mount Rushmore, it begins with Al Davis and John Madden. I don't know who the other two are. You can put whoever you want on there, Stan. But those are the first two. Absolutely. I mean, he won 103 games when they were only playing 14 games a year back then. Yeah. You get it in 10 seasons. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. when you watch, you, you, you go on social media and the outpouring uh, the tributes to him and everyone seems to have a story about him and just, and it's not just from football. It's from all walks of life, you know, because like we said, he was the coach, the broadcaster. And I don't know if you've ever seen him stand the commercials, the Miller light commercials. Oh yeah. I remember all those. I remember all of them. Tough acting to acting. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, his man. legacy Stan is just going to last forever. It, it, it really will. And you mentioned the boom and you know, there was also the wham. And I think he came up with doink when a ball would hit the upright on a field goal. I or think he did. I think he did too, yeah. Right? Just the doink or the double doink. And it's just, ah, uh, it's just so heartbreaking. It, it really is. And, you know, today's Wednesday. We always record this podcast on a Wednesday. And here's what some of the Raiders, uh, the current Raiders, had to say about John Madden. Eric, it's Ed Greeny. Um, I just, I know you tweeted yesterday about Coach Madden. I would hope you to expound on him now, your thoughts on him. and. I'm sorry if you've talked about this and I don't know, but I was actually wondering if you had been a gamer or you played the game growing up. Oh, yeah. I'm probably the best at, uh, at his video game of all time. Um, but I, uh, you know, I didn't get much time to be around him. Uh, the times that he did come by, it was very brief uh, in my eight years here. Um, uh, but hearing stories, um, 
some really cool stories actually about him from, you know, some of the guys throughout the years. Um, every time he's around, just such, uh, such an amazing man. Um, you know, so kind, uh, always, you know, everyone said he was a coach. He was definitely always a coach, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't have any personal stories, um, or anything like that. Um, I know that my, my uncle actually, uh, got in a fight in training camp one year and coach Madden ran over to stop it. And he actually slipped in the mud and got all muddy. And so my uncle thinks maybe that's the reason he got cut, uh, one of the times, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, you know, it's, uh, cool family stories for us to share and talk about, but, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know him personally, but when he was around, you know, being able to talk to him and see him was, was pretty cool. But, you know, he, he has such a legacy, obviously the kids and everybody nowadays thinks about the video game and, um, you know, uh, and all those things and the legacy he's left there. But, you know, what he was, what he was able to do with his career is pretty awesome as well. Let me get started with, um, certainly our, our thoughts and prayers with coach Madden's, um, family, um, you know, we lost an icon in the world of football, certainly in, um, in the National Football League, but really um, the, the world of football has lost an icon. And, and um, it's, it's hard to say that um, you can find another person that has gone through all the genres that he's gone through and been ultra successful like that. Um, I had a chance to meet him when I was a young coach in the NFL in Tampa and came through and I just had a chance to to shake his hand and it was kind of like my hand disappeared. You know, he was such a big man and he, he lit up the room and he had this way in which he made everyone else in the room feel really good about themselves. And you're actually excited about meeting coach Madden. And, um, in my conversation with owner Mark yesterday, you know, his comment was, you know, he's a Raider. And, um, so I certainly understand that and, and, um, have, uh, great understanding of what a Raider is, uh, certainly by the example that Coach Madden left here along with the entire National Football League. So it's a great loss. And again, our thoughts and prayers are with his family. All right, the Raiders are riding a two-game winning streak as they head to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. And Stan, here's some trivia for you. John Madden's last playoff victory was against the then Baltimore Colts. Oh, wow. Christmas Eve, 1977. Wow. It was the ghost of the post game as the Raiders beat the Colts in double overtime, 37-31. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that definitely is kind of spooky right, right there. So, hey, maybe um, it's a prelude to things to come on Sunday. Let's hope, yeah, right? Yeah, may, maybe so. I, I definitely hope it does. You know, I remember back when Al Davis passed that Friday, uh, that Friday evening, uh, right before we're about to play the Houston Texans the following Sunday. And, you know, that pretty much is what uh, carried us across the finish line to come out and be and be victorious against the Houston Texans. So hopefully there's going to be some of that good omen, some of those good spirits on Sunday afternoon. Let's hope so. As of this Wednesday's taping, there's no line on the game. But if you think the ghost of John Madden can conjure up a Raider victory, then head to betonline.ag. It's back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEED50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Stan, let's focus on Sunday's matchup against the Colts. And this is essentially a playoff game for the Raiders. Oh, yeah. It's very simple. They're currently in 10th place in the AFC playoff standings. But they win their last two games and they make the playoffs. If they lose one, they're still mathematically alive, but they would need a great deal of help to make it. And Stan, I think we got to give credit where credit is due right now. And that's the Raiders defense. Uh, I understand the last two weeks they've gone up against backup quarterbacks, but Stan, I, I don't care about that. I mean, they're winning. The defense mm -hmm. has allowed just 27 points and against Denver. Uh, they never allowed the Broncos to get anything going. Denver's one of the best run games in the NFL. They had 19 yards on 16 carries. Yeah. And they had just 158 total yards and were one for 10 on third down. 
The week before, the Raiders' defense held the Cleveland Browns to 236 yards and less than 100 yards on the ground to one of the best games, one of the best running backs in the game, and that's Nick Chubb. I mean, the defense is doing without Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Mullen, both out for the year. Jonathan Hankins missed the Denver game with a back issue. Nate Hobbs missed the uh, Cleveland game, and he was relegated to special teams duty uh, because of the after returning from the COVID-19 list. Dan, what's impressed you the most about the Raiders' defense lately? Uh, I think that probably uh, you hit it right on the head, especially it's the run game. You know, uh, I believe that, that Monday night game that should have been Saturday, but wound up being Monday against the Cleveland Browns just last week. Uh, them holding Nick Chubb, like you said, I believe it's what, 89 or 93 yards. It was under 100. Right. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I did not expect them to hold him under 100. I'm being honest with you, I didn't. But I was very surprised that they, that they did. I felt like they did a pretty good job against the run against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. So that's something that I've definitely been able to be uh, – uh, I'm. De- it's a pleasant surprise to right. see them do well against the run. And I think if you're able to stop the run, that helps you stop the pass collectively in the back end. So – I'd probably go ahead and say that. And just, I have not seen an immense amount of big plays that the Raiders have been giving up as of late. They gave up some big ones to the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, no lie. But uh, but other than that, I feel like they've done a pretty good job of that, the Kansas City Chiefs game notwithstanding. Right. Let's go to the other side of the football now. And Josh Jacobs snapped out of his uh, season-long slumpy matches career high with 129 rushing yards on 27 carries against Denver most of that came in the second half when he had 104 yards Stan I'm sure the Raiders are going to try to follow that same blueprint against the Colts um what stood out to you was it Jacob's performance or the offensive line who struggled in run blocking actually doing a really good job against Denver or both? I'd probably say a little bit of both uh you know Denver's got a stout front seven they do like obviously they traded away Von Miller a couple months ago but Denver's still good they still got a good defense also uh, for Josh Jacobs to go ahead and bounce back and be able to control the game the way he did uh I think that's going to be the game this weekend I need I think that the Las Vegas Raiders are going to try to go ahead and lean on the run game again but this game is going to be won in the trenches the Indianapolis Colts do what they run the ball well and oh yeah they're pretty good on defense and it all starts with that front four along with Darius Leonard and people like that. The game is going to be won in loss, won or loss in the trenches this week. I believe that because the Las Vegas Raiders want to probably go ahead and try to control the clock with the run game, I don't think that's the way to go. I think you are going to have to force Indy to get into more of a shootout. That's what I believe because. Yes, Carson Wentz is playing better. He's playing better than he did last year. Obviously, there's no there's no doubt about that. But seeing how they leaned on that run game so much against the New England Patriots, to me, what I'm seeing is, okay, we know that the Indianapolis Colts can run the ball. I think to get them out of that run first mode, to get them out of that, A, you're going to have to stop the run. But B, if you can go ahead, get up 10-0 early, get up 14-3, something like that. Now, they got to somewhat abandon the run game to go ahead and try to get back in the game. So if I'm the if I'm the Las Vegas Raiders, I got to go ahead and I got to put the foot on the gas from the very first play. That way, they are playing catch-up out there uh, at the Dome out there in Indy. You can call him Oakland, Stan. I, I don't mind. <laughs> I, I, man, I, I, still, I, know. I still have I, know. I still make I, that mistake once in a while. I hear you. And then we don't know if Carson Wentz is going to be available on Sunday for the Colts, but we'll have more on that later. Well, Stan, one of the things the Raiders offense has got to do a better job of, and that's taking care of the football. I mean, 10 turnovers in the last three games, and yet somehow they've won two of those. I, I'm not quite sure how. Um, I mentioned this earlier. The Raiders defense has allowed 27 points over the last two games, but Stan, 17 of those are due to the offense turning the ball over. And, you know, I have defended Derek Carr in the past, but Stan, he's turned it over four times alone in the last two games, and he has just got to do a better job of one decision-making. Sometimes the Nick Chubb interception in Sunday's game in Denver, yeah, that was a great play, but Stan, you got to throw that ball away. Yeah, you have to throw you do, that ball and away. I just He has got to do a better job. Of, also, when he's getting sacked, Stan, I cringe every time because I feel like he's going to fumble every time now when he gets sacked. I think these last two games are pretty much like a probationary 
rehearsal for uh, Derek Carr. If he wants to be the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders going forward, he's going to have to go ahead and he's going to have to have a good show in these last two games. You got the Indianapolis Colts and then you got the Los Angeles Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers, yes, they got a lot of, of COVID uh, casualties per se where Justin Herbert was without a lot of people on Sunday afternoon, but they lost to the Houston Texans. Just like we talked about last week, any given Sunday, anybody yeah. can be beat. So you got the Colts who could be with or without Carson Wentz. You got the Justin Herbert led Los Angeles Chargers to end the season. You win these two games, you're in the playoffs. Derek Carr, it's right there in front of you. You got to win these two games. You start off the year winning two games. Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers. You now have to finish the season winning two games. Carson Wentz or Sam Mellinger, Justin Herbert, Los Angeles Chargers. You can win these two games, Derek, Derek, uh, Derek Carr. And whoever else, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, everybody else. So I think that it's going to come down to him. And like you just said, he's got to take care of the ball. He has to make sure that if he gets sacked, you've got to still hold on to the ball. Don't let it be a sack, strip, fumble. You cannot allow it to compound or anything like that. It's If he wants to be the quarterback going forward, and we already know that the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be getting a new head coach. You already know sometimes a new head coach comes in. He doesn't gel with the starter. He all of a sudden feels like, okay, you know what? I feel like I have somebody else in the in the fold that may be better suited for my offense. So I think for Derek Carr right now, this is kind of like a probationary period for him these last two games to go ahead and show, are you the guy going forward or is it still that, yeah, he's got a lot of talent, but type of conversation. Yeah, and I don't think the Raiders can afford to turn it over two, three times against the Colts. I think that's no. At some point, the luck runs out, Stan, and it just absolutely up to you. It really does. Hey, look, I want to end uh, this on a positive note. we got to recognize the outstanding season wide receiver Hunter Renfro is having. Oh, I mean, no doubt about it. He leads the Raiders with 92 catches. He's receiving yards, touchdown catches. Stan, he's just the third Raider receiver to have more than 90 receptions in a season, joining Hall of Famers Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. Mm -hmm. I mean, for a guy who was a walk-on at Clemson, a fifth-round pick, he started the season as a Raiders number three receiver. Pretty darn impressive. And let me ask you this. You played eight years in the NFL as a defensive back. When you watch him run his routes, what makes him so difficult for opposing defenses? Well, for one, he plays in the slot where everything happens uber fast as opposed to being outside the numbers. That's number one. Number two, he's very precise with a lot of his routes. You see some of those routes that he's running, man. He's having three different moves all wrapped into one. And I know it's a defender, somebody who's played in the slot before when everything is happening really, really quick. And you got those short slot receivers that are 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and they're not able to outrun you. They're not able to have that long speed as far as like a 40-yard dash or maybe even longer than that. But in those quick, I'm sorry, in those small spaces, they're quicker than a hiccup. And then when them, when them and the quarterback are on the same page, like what you see with a Matthew Stafford in a Cooper Cup, it right there is just poetry in motion, as you've seen for many times this year with Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro. So, like I said, because of his precision. Because of the fact he plays in the slot, he's quick. He can get in and out of those breaks. And also just simply having the tutelage of learning under a Dabo Sweeney and playing alongside of Trevor Lawrence, you know, and just the the uh, the tutelage, or should I just say the camaraderie and just the tradition that you see within the passing game, the complexities within Clemson Tigers offense, he just carried that over with him to the Las Vegas Raiders. And that's why you're seeing everything work it's so seamlessly the way that it is. But by no stretch of my surprise, he is the perfect slot type. He's not, he's not real big. He's quick. He understands coverages, finding the soft spot, knowing it's man versus zone, things like that. And then we all remember last uh, 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 the Monday night game against the Los Angeles Chargers when he's back there on punt return yep. and notices that the gunner is uncovered and the Chargers try to go and throw it out to the gunner just to go ahead and get a cheap first down. And he comes up with that hit. So obviously he has the toughness to handle the physicality that defenses will go ahead and try to employ on him as well. But, yeah, I think that in today's game, the slot receiver is, in a lot of ways, the most valuable player on the offensive side of the ball. Well, we'll see how the Indianapolis Colts defense him on Sunday. And here's the Raiders talking about facing Indy. Emotionally, I think we've been through everything, you know, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, physically, uh, this has been one of the more demanding years 
for whatever reason, on top of everything, uh, for myself. Um, and, uh, it just is, uh, sometimes I have a lot of questions, Paul, you know, sometimes that I just probably won't get answers to, um, you know, like why certain things have to happen or why I have to feel this way, you know, at some point. Um, but at the end of the day, like we always talk about, nobody cares. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that we do, you know, we have two games left against two really good football teams and we need to win them. And, uh, if we do that, we can get in. I think that'd be pretty remarkable. I think it'd be pretty amazing. Um, you know, but it, it falls in line with what our plans were at the beginning of the year. And uh, despite all the adversity, um, to be able to still stare your goals in the face and have an opportunity uh, to attain them, um, it, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. It, it is pretty cool, but none of it matters unless we you know, take care of business uh, on the road here against the Colts. All right, for more on the Indianapolis Colts, let's welcome in the co-host of the Believe in Colts podcast, Lawrence Own. Lawrence, thanks so much for joining us, man. Greatly appreciate uh, you taking the time. Hey, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, having me on. All right, the, the biggest storyline for the Colts is obviously uh, quarterback Carson Wentz uh, placed on the COVID-19 list. So what is his status for Sunday's game? Uh, it's, it's kind of up in the air currently, uh, with the new CDC guidelines, he is technically not out of it now, um, with the guidelines being adopted by the NFL, uh, with the five day mandatory, uh, where you have to, you can't come back for five days, but that ends on Sunday morning on Sunday morning, if he does not have a fever and if his uh, any symptoms are lessening or gone, then he will be able to play on Sunday. If he can't play, who gets the nod at quarterback for the Colts? Oh, uh, Sam Ellinger, uh, yeah. the first round pick from Texas. <laughs> the way you just described that, uh, obviously you don't have much faith in Sam. No, and the first round pick from Texas was a joke, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, he, he was a very late round pick, but no, I do not have a whole lot of faith in Sam Ellinger. I don't know if you guys watched any of his preseason uh, games that, that he's, he's a young guy. Yeah. Can he play? Yes. Uh, he, he, he is a guy who really pushes it out there and tries to, to come away with victory in multiple ways, but his arm strength is not very good. Uh, he leaves the ball out there uh, in passes to where defenders can make plays on the ball while the ball is still in the air. That's one of the reasons why he had many interceptions during the preseason. And it, 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 it's very worrisome for me as a Colts fan, especially with the fact that he has, he has yet to really play at all. I mean, he's came in, on a couple plays mm -hmm. uh, during the season, but they were like little little things while Carson Wentz was dealing with his ankle injuries or, you know, when they were running some type of a wildcat formation or, or something or a RPO formation of some sort with Wentz out there. But generally, he's, he's not really thrown a football yet this season. Yeah, uh, Lawrence, full disclosure, uh, Sam Ellinger is from the same hometown I am from Austin, Texas. So I've watched him a lot in his days at University of Texas. Mm -hmm. So trust me, I'm spot on with you as far as his, some of his deficiencies mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that you speak of. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not knocking the guy. The guy has heart and he knows how yep. to to make a play work when he needs to. It's just in the NFL. Mm -hmm. arm strength is so important being able to deliver a football and if you do not have the arm strength to place it uh in in tight situations where it needs to be where it needs to be now philip rivers last year he didn't have the arm strength either but he had the experience and the accuracy to lead yeah, exactly his his smarts he was able to lead receivers so that you know the ball when it landed was nowhere near yeah. a defender where Sam doesn't have that experience and you could definitely see it when he plays on the field. So Lawrence, basically what you're saying is Phil Rivers knows how to throw you open, exactly. which is, which is like said, in my opinion, why I think he should be a hall of famer. Lawrence, I want to go back to Carson for a moment, if we could please. And if he does play, you know, you look at his numbers and they're pretty darn impressive, but then sometimes when you watch the highlights and these throws he's making, you're like complete head scratchers. Like what is this guy thinking? So how would you assess his performance so far to this point in the season? I would assess overall, I think Carson Wentz has had a great season, uh, especially if you compare to last year. Uh, I think it's funny that last year, 
now granted he had 50 sacks inside 12 games that's horrendous i mean he was on pace to 70 some sacks on the season last year that's that's awful but you can't put all that on carson Wentz, right um his interceptions he had 15 interceptions last year led the league in interceptions last year but you think about this also 15 interceptions when was the last time 15 interceptions led the league the year before was 30 right i mean yeah. <laughs> andrew luck averaged 14 interceptions his whole career right mm-hmm. i mean it's it, 15 interceptions isn't that horrendous. Now, no, no really not as not. much as the team's throwing the ball those days. It's not Ex- a lot. Exactly. Uh, and right now, he's got six interceptions as opposed to 25 touchdowns. He's got like the third best touch, uh, interception ratio in the NFL, right? He does have some oddball, scratch your head, what the heck plays. I'm going to agree with you on that. All right. Uh, there, there, you can't get away from that sometimes. And he did have a very bad game against the Patriots where he was throwing the ball. He was way off target, uh, you know, and every quarterback has bad games once in a while. I mean, go look at Tom Brady. What, what Tom Brady looked like the other day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. against New but, Orleans. Yep. Yeah. against New Orleans. So, I mean, that happens, but overall, I think Carson Wentz has done a very good job. Um, I think he's ninth in the NFL, in at least amount of being sacked this year, obviously, uh, having a team around you helps with a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. right? When you have a good offensive line, you have a coach that you believe in, you have a running game that you can lean on, it helps. I think that Carson Wentz being with Indy is a very good match, right? I, I think that he's good for the Colts, and I think the Colts were very good for him. And it, it could it could continue. Now, I don't think that the evaluation is done and over with by any means, I think that you'll you'll need a, a full two years in this system with all the guys here. But right now, I actually like what I'm seeing from Carson Wentz. He just – there's still a few things that he needs to um, get better at, in my opinion. Look, no matter who's that quarterback on Sunday for the Colts, uh, they've got a fantastic running back in Jonathan Taylor. I mean, 1,626 yards. I mean, I double-checked his average per carry, five and a half yards per carry i mean lawrence you can make the case he is the uh league mvp you really can yeah i i mean the Colts. okay so he's went over 100 yards nine times this year mm-hmm. and those nine times he went over 100 yards the colts are nine and oh, wow. when he hasn't went over 100 yards six times this year the colts lost they're zero and six when he goes under 100 yards to me that speaks most valuable player i mean uh, I, I get that a quarter it's a quarterback's, you know, award or has been majorly over the last, uh, you know, couple decades, but I, if that's the case, we should call it the MVQ, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. You're right. MVQ. I never heard of that one. Hey, I got to remember that one. <laughs> MVQ. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I got to definitely remember that one. But, Lawrence, what makes him so good for people who haven't seen him? And this is the first time they're going to see him on Sunday for Raider Nation. Um, well, he's coming out of Wisconsin. The man knows how to put a team, like carry a team. He's, he's used to heavy workload, which is, is a good situation. You don't have to worry about him breaking down. He takes care of his body. That's a huge deal. He goes. He has all sorts of different ways that he makes sure that his body uh, is good on game days and after game days. But he's a very, very physical running back uh, between the tackles. He's, he's a guy who will, who will bring it to a guy, to a defender who's coming to tackle him. And, um, yeah, defenders don't want to see that, right? They, they, they want to be the one affecting that run play. They don't want to be the ones being affected by the run play. Um, and on top of that, his vision is so good that he can see a hole opening up as it's developing. And then he has the agility and the quickness to be able to hit that hole as it's opening up. And then his top end speed, obviously he could take it to the house. So uh, you, the scariest thing is you talk about that 5.5 yards per carry. He actually averages more yards per carry against stacked boxes than unstacked boxes. Because you bring those safeties down, and if he sees a crease, like that's open the daylight. Yeah, that's open daylight. He'll hit that. He he uses that vision of his. He'll hit that that daylight, and then it's it's goodbye. You know, 
And that's why, uh, yes, you stack the box four out of five times, you're probably going to stop him for three or four yards. But one out of five times, you're going to see him break a big one. And Stan, you know the Raiders like to bring that safety down in the box. It was Jonathan Abram before uh-huh. uh, he was injured, um, and now Dallin, D- Dallin Levitt. Um, so that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on the way uh, Gus, Gus Bradley designs his defenses. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think that's going to be the key, uh, just like what uh, Lawrence just said. They're 9-0 and whenever he rushed for over 100 yards. They're 0-6 whenever he doesn't. Uh, I remember plenty of times back in my day, we played the Houston Texans, and that was the game plan. We got to keep Aaron Foster under 100 yards. If we keep him under 100, we can win. If he gets over 100, it's going to be very, very difficult to go ahead and bring home a W, and I think it's right there, the same concept for the Las Vegas Raiders this week. They have to keep Jonathan Taylor, which is going to be difficult, under 100 yards if they want to be successful in the game. Lawrence, let me ask you this. The Colts have been uh, hit hard by COVID-19. Obviously, we mentioned Carson Wentz. I believe they have 14 other players currently on that list as well. Who could be available and who's likely uh, unavailable come Sunday? As of right now, everyone, it's because of the CDC guidelines and Mm -hmm. the change, every single one of them could be able to play. Uh, There are some people that are dealing with injuries uh or you know something other like ryan kelly who missed last week uh due to he lost his child right uh during birth and so the colts were like take all the time you need you Mm -hmm. know so the question on whether or not he will be uh mentally able to come and play is still up in the air um i believe andrew sandejo missed last week due to a concussion uh, he should be able to get through the protocols because that'll be two weeks. Uh, generally, you know, it don't take two weeks to get through the concussion protocols yeah. unless it's really, really severe. Um, go ahead. I'll say this, uh, man, you know, Sendejo, he's from Texas, not too far from where I'm, where I grew up. And I remember watching that game against the, uh, the New England Patriots at Saturday night football and man, he was out there thumping everybody. I just, just want to say that. Oh yeah, Sendejo is a downhill tackler. Yes, and it doesn't matter yes. who doesn't matter who's got the ball. He's a downhill tackler. Doesn't matter yeah. if it's a wide receiver, a tight end, a running back. It doesn't matter. Um, he he's had questionable uh, abilities in the past defending the pass, but when it comes to if the ball's already in the person's hands, he is going to bring. He's mm-hmm. going to bring it every time. So. Um, I, I like Sendejo with, with the physicality that he brings, especially with the rest of the speed that the Colts have over there on defense. So it, it helps a lot. Lawrence, kind of a two-part question for you. I know this team started 0-3, in fact, 1-4. What's led to the turnaround, and is this Frank Reich's best head coaching job there? Well, we'll go with the second part first. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I mean – First, this is his fourth different quarterback that he's had to play with since he's been here. His fourth. And Can you name him for us? Can you name him for us? Who are uh, they? Sure, sure. Uh, Andrew Luck. Okay. Jacoby Brissett. Yep. Ah. Philip Rivers. And now Carson. Carson Wentz. He has yet to have a quarterback on consecutive years, and yet here we are. And that speaks volumes for how he's able to get the team ready and, and – and work and and that does have a lot to do with how a team starts as well because chemistry isn't there yet especially with your offense right when you have a new quarterback coming in it doesn't matter if he's seen some of this system before or not he doesn't know the players right he doesn't have that connection with the offensive line yet he doesn't have the connection with the receivers he doesn't know how the running back uh likes to be handed the football things of that nature you know getting the speed down of certain quick receivers out there is a big deal as well the Colts started off a lot of injuries, uh, a lot of injuries across uh, the entire team this year, especially at offensive line. Uh, Carson Wentz just came off the foot surgery along with Quentin Nelson. Darius Leonard had an ankle that he was dealing with the entire year. Uh, we had a lot of injuries and a lot of new people on the team, and it was rough start for the Indianapolis Colts. As you said, one and four, they started off 0 and three, and before that, I mean. Only one team since 02, I believe, has started off 0-3 and made the playoffs, right? And the Colts are getting ready to do so. I, I think it was the Texans 
that did that. Yeah, it uh, was back in 2019, I want to say, because then they went on a nine-game win streak, something yeah, like that. Yeah, so uh, I think that, you know, the fact that the Colts started getting healthier through the season and the fact that the new guys were starting to buy in and, and, and get that uh, connection with the other players around them and understand the schemes and buy into that, I think that had a lot to do with the turnaround from uh, one and four to where they're currently sitting at nine and six. We'll get you out of here on this. You need a prediction for Sunday, Lawrence. What do you got? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's a little it's early. Right it's all right if the Colts are going to win. Be honest, man. Be honest. No, I'm, I'm saying it's a little early for that because I don't know who's going to be playing sure. who's not, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, right. especially with the situation that's going on with the COVID. Uh, I mean, if you take all, what, 14 players? Now, now I think five of them came off the COVID list today. Um, all right. If, how about this? If Wentz plays, what do you think? And if Wentz doesn't play, what do you think? How about that? If we get everybody back for Sunday, I think the Indianapolis Colts win. Um, I think, I think they win. I, I think it'll be the Colts are averaging 29, 30 points a game, something like that over the last 10 weeks. Uh, the Raiders. First off, I want to say this. I am impressed with how the Raiders have dealt with the adversity that they've, that they've had this year. Okay. I just want to yeah. put that out there. Uh, the fact that they're still in playoff contention is mind boggling to me. And I have a, nothing but utmost respect for what Carr has been able to do this year in the face of all that, all, all that's been going on around him. But just wanted to say that right out front. I still think that the Indianapolis Colts win, uh, maybe a little bit of homerism there, but at the same time, um, when you have Jonathan Taylor uh, and a healthy Carson Wentz out there, it's tough to stop this offense. And the defense flies around and does a really good job of tackling and creating turnovers, which they lead the NFL in to get the ball back to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna push around 27-17 will be my my prediction if everyone plays. Well, that doesn't bode well for the Raiders. That defense <laughs> creates a lot of turnovers because the Raiders' offense has turned it over 10 times uh, in the last three games, and they cannot afford to do that uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. Hey, Lawrence, where can uh, fans find you on Twitter? Can you give us your Twitter handle? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Colts underscore law. Great stuff, man. Really appreciate you joining us. And once again, Lawrence is the co-host of the Believe in Colts podcast. All right, instead of picking our weekly AFC West games, let's focus on the AFC playoff picture and focus on the games that impact the Raiders. And Stan, let's begin with this one. It's the LA Rams at Baltimore Ravens. Now, I know Lamar Jackson returned to practice. LA, three and a half point favorite on the road. Who do you like in that one? Oh, man. Uh, LA's going to be on the road. Game's in Baltimore, correct? It is. Uh, so it's going to be a one o'clock kickoff, uh, I'm assuming, correct? It is, yes. Yeah, so that'll be 10 o'clock California time. Always remember that. Uh, and I think that right there is going to give the Ravens a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a chance to go ahead and be able to sneak the Los Angeles Rams. But I really think it just comes down to which Matthew Stafford is going to show up. We saw how last week he threw several interceptions up there at, uh, at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium up there in Minneapolis. They were still able to come out with the victory. And I think that it's really just going to come down to what Matthew Stafford is going to show up. But because uh, obviously the Los Angeles Rams seem to be right now where they need to be at atop the NFC West, I think they're going to be victorious against the Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I just think the Ravens are missing so many people with injuries and COVID, and uh, I think the Rams are just more talented, and I think L.A. goes on the road. They head back east, and they knock off the Ravens. All right, next one, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Cincinnati Bengals. KC, a five-point favorite on the road. Uh, uh, I think that you're going to have to go ahead and go with the Chiefs on that one to beat the Bengals, and I think that'll also help us. Uh, yep. as well because uh, the Chiefs have the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, right now they're firing off all cylinders. And like I said, I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. I love uh, I love Joe Mixon and all those guys up there on the offense side of the ball and the defense side of the ball as well. Trey Hendrickson, shout out to him going to the Pro Bowl. Much deserved. He should have gone last year with the Saints, but I digress. Uh, I think that, um, you know, Joe Burrow, 
He obviously is young in this league. He's going to have his up and down games. He had 525 passing yards last week against the Baltimore Ravens. I do not see him having that same level of success against the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's why I would pick the Chiefs to prevail over the Bengals. Stan, I'm 100% with you. I just think Kansas City is the best team in the AFC right now. They're playing so well. I think the Bengals coming off that huge win uh, over the Baltimore Ravens at home. You mentioned the yards that Joe Burrow threw for. I just think the Bengals are very up and down team. I think they have a letdown yeah. this week. I think Kansas City goes into Cincinnati and takes care of business. All right, this is kind of an interesting matchup. The Miami Dolphins right now actually hold the final playoff spot. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. West. Did we not beat them head to head? But the tiebreaker is the way it works because the Chargers beat the Raiders, so they win that tiebreaker. And then Baltimore, I believe, beats the Chargers, so they win that tiebreaker. And Miami beat Baltimore, and that's how they get the, yeah. the, the eight seed. So that's how it works. I know it's very confusing. But yeah, it, it is. The Raiders win their last two. They take care of their own business, and they're in. But this one is the Dolphins at Tennessee. Tennessee, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I would go ahead and go with Tennessee. Uh, I think that uh, the Miami Dolphins, their magical ride is going to sooner or later come to an end. I believe, what, they've won seven straight games at the start of the year, one and seven. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think they're going to go ahead and come to uh, back down to earth this week. You got the Mike Vrabel-led Tennessee Titans. They need to get some Ws so they can go ahead and get back to their original uh, goal in mind. And I don't, I don't think that uh, they're going to be victorious against Tennessee. I think Tennessee's going to win. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Miami's, especially on a short week, uh, from New Orleans on Monday night now to Tennessee, on Sunday, I just think seven in a row, winning eight in a row is so difficult uh, in the NFL. And the Titans need to keep winning uh, to hold off the hard-charging Indianapolis Colts. But I'm with you, Stan. I'm going with the Titans at home. Uh, Broncos at Chargers. L.A., five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Ugh. I can't figure this Charger team out, Stan. I, I can't. I mean, you and I were talking last week. I'm like, they're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at the Texans. They'll win handily. I'll tell you why you can't figure them out, D.A. It's because of the young quarterback. That's why it's, you know, that they have the potential to be good. Justin Herbert just got voted to the Pro Bowl. So we know he's great. Right. But because they're young, they're going to have the ups and downs. You're like, they're not able to consistently be great because they haven't been around long enough. So you look at how Justin Herbert was minus what, like 14 starters or 14 players in the game on Sunday. Yeah. You have a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers Thursday night football against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah he's able to overcome it because he knows how to do it. But these young quarterbacks, you take their starters away from them, they don't know how to do it. Come on now. like Justin Herbert should be a fifth-year senior at Oregon right now, for crying out loud. So that's why it seems like you can't get them. It's because the young quarterback is just that. He's young, which means he's going to have his ups and downs. You just don't know when his up or his down is going to be. He's going to have more ups than downs, but that down, just like last week, Houston Texans, you don't know when that down is going to come. And I think that's right there why it seems like you can't figure them out. But to go ahead and get to the original question, uh, I think it's going to be a toss-up this week. Denver Broncos, they got a good defense. We know that. But I would probably have to go ahead and say, um, I'm sorry, let me ask you, is Drew Locke going to be starting or is it going to be Bridgewater? You know what? I think it's Teddy Bridgewater, but I can't confirm that 100%. Okay, if it's, a, if it's, if it's Drew Locke, there's a part of me that – Things that has a better chance, uh, they have a better chance of coming out victorious than uh, Teddy Bridgewater because we all know Justin Herbert, big, strong quarterback, he's going to push the ball down the field. He's going to score some points. You have to be able to match those points for the Denver Broncos, and you have a better chance of doing that with Drew Locke because he's a gunslinger versus Teddy Bridgewater, who's more of a game manager. So uh, that right there to me would be the key, whether it's going to be Drew Locke versus t- uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, for the Denver Broncos. But nonetheless, Nonetheless, I would go ahead and say the Los Angeles Rams, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers will come out victorious. But mind you what I'm saying, DA, I would not at all be surprised if Denver was to sneak the Los Angeles Chargers because we all know how when it comes to divisional games, you throw everything else out of the window when it's divisional games. Agreed. Chargers lost at Denver earlier this year. I'm going with the Chargers, Dan. I can't see them losing three in a row. I, I, I really can't. I think the Broncos, after watching them last week, I think that offense is so vanilla. I think their defense is really good, but I don't think they have enough firepower to stay with the Chargers. I'm going with the Chargers at home. All right, Stan, finally, our Raiders at the Colts. As I mentioned earlier, there is no line. I think we're all waiting to see if Carson Wentz gets the nod uh, or who's going to start at quarterback 
for the Colts. Who are you going with? What your gut feeling? Oh man, my gut. Ugh, my gut. John Madden passing. I just somehow see the Raiders pulling this out. I'm not sure exactly how. I'm not going to sit up here and you know give some huge X's and O's, but uh, somehow, some way, I feel like they can pull this one out. Uh, Derek Carr definitely is going to have to play good. Josh Jacobs is going to have to play good. Defensive line, they're going to have to definitely earn their money this week. Max Crosby, he's got to play like a pro bowler. No doubt about that. Got to give me probably at least you know one and a half to two sacks on Carson Wentz or Ellinger, whoever that may be. But uh, I, I see the Raiders pulling this one out in a squeaker uh, right down to the finish line. But I, put, I see the Raiders pulling this one out. You know what, Stan? If you would have asked me this two, three days ago, I probably would have said the Colts. Uh, I believe they came out as like a nine-point favorite. And I was like, you yeah, know what? The Colts was. are probably covered. It'll probably be 27-17. I just, from everything that's unfolded, the uncertainty with Wentz, the passing, the iconic John Madden, I just feel like the Raiders are going to win this one. And I don't know if I'm just trying to be nostalgic. I'm just trying to will it to happen. But my gut is telling me the Raiders are going to win. It'll be another, another ugly game. I feel like 20 to 14, 20 to 17. But I do think the Raiders win. And man, I'm praying and hoping that it, uh, we are both correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Stan, if all this stuff happens that you and I think will, if the Raiders win, and the Rams, Chiefs, Dolphins, I know we don't think the Chargers, but let's just say the Broncos do the same. The Raiders would be in sixth place in the AFC playoff picture heading into the final week of the season. Yep. But you know what? We talk about this every every week. You got to take care of your own business. To start you have with. to. Take you, care of your you own really backyard do. first. You do. All right, my man. This is our last uh, podcast before the new year. And uh, great job as always. Enjoyed it. Wish we could have uh, began it on a happier note. But uh Always a great podcast. Always enjoy spending time with you, man. Oh, yeah. As always, man, happy holidays to you. Happy New Year to you. You too. And uh, hopefully this time next week, whenever we're back on again, we are having a very, very pleasant, positive talk going into the final week of the season with the win and we're in type of mindset. Absolutely. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Rapp. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening, and may all your punts find the coffin corner. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.